Hello, friends. This is Pastor Anthony L. Fletcher from Redeemed Ministries. I would like to invite you to listen to our podcast. It is a Christian-based podcast designed to bridge the Word of God to modern-day culture to show its relevance and its permanence throughout all generations. Why don't you listen and enjoy? Be blessed. Bible passage for this podcast can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 12. The title, Be Not Deceived. This was a message brought before the Redeemed Ministries Bible Church Congregation on Sunday, March the 1st, 2020. Please listen with the open heart and open mind prayerfully. God bless. Today, if we want to or if you would turn to the sixth chapter of First Corinthians, Paul's letter to the church at Corinth. And I want to start at verse 9 in the King James Version. And it reads thusly. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But Ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful unto me, I'm adding verse 12, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Amen. I just want to use a a uh, simple subject uh, that's taken out of, of this passage, and it just simply says, be not deceived. Amen. Amen. Thank you for standing in reference of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and his word. As we look at this passage of scripture, uh, it is a mirror of what is going on in the church of today. Amen? Amen? The background of this passage, we see the Apostle Paul, uh, who was the planter of the church at Corinth. Amen. In about 50 AD, during his second missionary journey, the Apostle Paul planted his church in the city of Corinth. Now, you've heard me talk about this city before. Uh, Corinth had it going on. It was a moral cesspool, meaning anything and everything went on in the city of Corinth. Amen. Uh, they had a lot of trading there, and a lot of ships would dock 
uh, there at Corinth and uh, the sailors or whatever they were called uh, at that time will spend a lot of time in the red light districts, Brother Ewell, the city of Corinth. Uh, matter of fact, they had a big temple on the hill. Uh, the goddess of love uh, temple was there and you had over 100 prostitutes working in the name of that temple. Amen. Where men would want to run down to the church house or the temple, I should say. Amen. Uh, and have themselves a good time. Amen. This church, uh, as I said before, just because you plant a church doesn't mean attitudes and behavior will immediately change. Amen. You can plant a church in the middle of the strip in Las Vegas. Amen. But that does not mean uh, that attitudes around that church and some of the people that will come into that church and give their lives to Christ will immediately change. How many of you know change is difficult? Amen. Uh, especially when you're used to living such a way. Uh, it's difficult to change. Uh, I will go on to add it's impossible to change without the aid of the Holy Spirit. So now you're living, uh, you have this church that was planted in the city of Corinth. And you had the Apostle Paul leave on other missionary journeys during his third missionary journey in about A.D. 54. Amen. Uh, letters was being sent from this church asking the Apostle Paul how to deal with certain situations. Amen. Uh, when Apostle Paul wrote this letter, he was actually in the city of Ephesus. Amen. And he responded to the church at Corinth, which this is actually Apostle Paul's second letter to the church. So they were on him about issues in the church. Amen. And, and some of the issues in the church, Brother Ewell, is you had division in the church. Some people uh, said that, well, look, Paul can't tell me nothing because I was brought in under the leadership of Apollos, okay? And then you had others say, well, Apollos can't tell me nothing because I was brought in under the leadership of Paul. So you had favoritism in the church when it comes to leaders, amen? That's why you have to be careful in the church, and that's why I don't personally believe in co-pastors because you hear me always say anything with two heads is a free, amen? You have that it creates a natural division in the church. You have favorites in the church anyway. You got some churches that follow the deacon opposed to the pastor. You got some churches that follow the pastor wife opposed to the pastors. You have natural divisions in the church, amen? And that just should not be, amen? amen. So there was divisions among the church. And that's why Apostle Paul said that, hey, I can't really remember baptizing nobody. You shouldn't be following me anyway. You should be following God. Amen? Not only were there divisions in the church, amen, but there was a young man that was sleeping with his stepmother in the church. Amen? There were some issues, and the Apostle Paul just couldn't figure out, why haven't you guys disciplined this young man? Why is he still in the midst of believers? Because discipline the young man is not saying that you don't love him 
or you're throwing him out of the church, it just will make him or it should make him become repentful. Amen. If you discipline him amongst other believers. Amen. So they had some problems in the church. And not only that, they still had worldliness going on in the church. People still had attitudes. People were still acting like they were a part of the world. That's why I said Corinthians mirror what's exactly going on in our churches today. Amen? So the Apostle Paul wrote this book, and he went on to say earlier in this letter that, that I, I wanted to give you guys meat, and I'm paraphrasing, but you're still on, you're still on spiritual milk. And what he was saying is really the milk is the foundation of your salvation. It's the gospel, right? I mean, you came to Christ because you heard uh, some preacher give you, amen, the foundation of the gospel, the salvation. They took you down Romans Road, as we like to say. They let you know about the gospel, and the gospel pricked your heart and made you want to give your life to Christ, amen? That's milk. That's the foundation. And the Apostle Paul made a statement is that I want to feed you meat, but you are still on milk, saying that you remember how you got saved, but you're not working on your spiritual life now. You should be well beyond just being saved and satisfied. Now you should be willing to live for the Lord and to act right. And you should be digesting other things that will help you live your life practically as a Christian. You should not be doing the same things you were as a babe in Christ. Amen. So the Apostle Paul, he begins this uh, chapter 6, amen, where I, I really like this. And I told uh, uh, my brothers and sisters while I was down there, this is what really keeps me grounded, amen, when you want to feel so good about yourself that, you know, uh, you finally made it or you finally arrived, amen. It, it, just look at verse 9 as I started. Verse 9, it, Apostle Paul is addressing the church, remember. He has said, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit, or I'm sorry, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. He uses the word unrighteous. There's only two things that we can be in the world, either righteous or unrighteous. Those that follow God, those that don't follow God. Those that believe in Jesus Christ, those that don't believe in Jesus Christ. There's only two people. There is no middle line. There is no gray area when it comes to your salvation. Amen? So he used the word unrighteous, and then he goes on and explains what unrighteousness is. Look at what he says. Um, uh, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers, of themselves with mankind. Okay? You can't go around, the Apostle Paul saying, fornicating. You can't have any other gods before God. You can't be having relationships outside of your marriage. You can't be sleeping with men with men and women with women. That's what infeminate means. You cannot be abusers of yourselves or mankind. What does he mean by abusers of yourselves where there are people that just don't take care of themselves? They always hide. They always drunk. They ain't doing nothing but abusing their bodies. 
Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul says, you're not in here. And, 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 and don't get me wrong. He is saying people that are willingfully practicing this, you must understand, you will, as a Christian, you will be overtaken in sin. Now, that's going to happen until the day you die. Remember in, 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 in the book where he says, brother, and if you find a brother overtaken in the fault, ye that are spiritual, restore such a one. That's what we as a body of Christ does. When you fall into sin or, or become overtaken into sin, it's our duty to come along beside you and love you back into the right relationship with God. Not make excuses about why you did what you did. But the apostle Paul is saying in these verses, that if you're willingly practicing these things and enjoying these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what he says. He says in verse 10, he continues, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Every sin that you can imagine is tied up and covered in verses 9 and verses 10. You can't say, I'm not doing this, so I'm all right. You can't say, I'm not doing that, so I'm all right. Every sin is covered in verse 9 and 10. And Paul is simply saying, if you are willingly practicing these sins and it's not bothering you and it's not eating at you and you're enjoying it, guess what? You had better check your salvation because you cannot willingly practice sin and enjoy sin and live in sin and it doesn't bother you. That's not the way God works and that's not the way the Holy Spirit that's indwelled in you works. That's not it. Be not deceived. Don't think like this culture. This culture wants you to believe that God loves anybody and loves everybody anyhow. They give you half-truths. Yes, God loves everybody. But he's not going to love you to the point where he will turn away and grin at sin. Because when your day comes, when judgment day comes, you are going to have to pay the price of doing what you're doing. It's just as simple as that. There's no understanding. There's no, well, that was different back then, God. The culture has changed. Oh, it made sense to me. I only did it because of this. If you was willingly sinning and never repented, you will die separated or spend eternity separated from God. It's just plain and simple. That's not Pastor Fletcher. That is the word of God. So he's saying, these sins in verses 9 and 10. Don't be stealing from nobody, verse 10. Can't go through life taking somebody else's hard-earned uh, uh, what they paid for in their life. You, you, you can't be wishing and living your life wanting something that somebody else had or wanting to be like somebody else or wanting somebody else's prestige or wanting somebody else's social status. Don't go through life wanting something else. I'm not saying that you can't be ambitious, but don't pattern your life after man and chasing after what somebody else has. He says, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, those that like to argue, fuss, and fight all the time looking for a fight. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
no extortioners, those that steal money from people and their jobs or anybody they can get a chance to steal from. You shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And that shall not is strong, amen? It didn't say probably. It didn't say maybe you can get by with it. It says you shall not enter the kingdom of God, amen? Then verse 11 gives us hope. It gives us hope because it tells me that if I've given my life to Christ, and sometimes when I do wrong, I have a repentant heart that lets me know that I'm saved. You see what I'm saying? Look at what verse, look, look at what verse uh, 11 says. It says, and such were, is the key word, and such were some of you. You can find yourselves, your old man, your old woman in verses 9 and verse 10. The apostle Paul says, and such were some of you. Now look at this conjunction. But ye are washed. Are meaning a, 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 a present tense. Ye are washed. Not ye was washed. Not ye will be washed. But ye are washed. Amen. I told him Wednesday that this is this is some supernatural chemistry, brother Yule. This is some I, I remember uh, when I was younger, my mom and dad bought me a chemistry set, and I don't know why they did that because we was mixing up stuff. We probably our lungs was all probably scarred up. We was mixing up stuff and it was smoking and all kind of crazy stuff. But this is some supernatural chemistry because I don't know how my black sins can be dipped in Jesus's red blood and come out as pure snow. That's some supernatural chemistry. The Bible says that we were or we are washed. Amen. Once we have given our lives to Christ, once we have confessed the word of God says with our mouth, not only confession, because confession don't mean that you say There's a lot of people that's going to confess Christ. The Bible says the devil believes and they tremble. Amen. So they know scripture. The devil knows scripture. He knows who God is. He knows who Jesus is. But the Bible declares if we confess with our mouth, get this, and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ has died or raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's Bible. So it's more than just confession. Amen? So he said, but you were washed. We were washed at the point of confessing and believing with our heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he died in your stead and now we get our righteousness from him. Look at verse 9. It says, it says in verse 9 that know ye not that the unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom, but the righteous shall inherit the kingdom. And guess where we get our righteousness from? Not from our good doing, not from us thinking that we're good, not from us kissing the dog and, 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 and being nice to our husband and wife, not for anything good in us, because the Bible already tells us there's nothing good in us. I don't care how nice you think you are or how articulate you think you are. You are not nice when it comes to God, but you get your righteousness. 
says that we were or we are washed. Amen. Once we have given our lives to Christ, once we have confessed the word of God says with our mouth, not only confession, because confession don't mean that you say There's a lot of people that's going to confess Christ. The Bible says the devil believes and they tremble. Amen. So they know scripture. The devil knows scripture. He knows who God is. He knows who Jesus is. But the Bible declares if we confess with our mouth, get this, and believe in our heart. That Jesus Christ has died or raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's Bible. So it's more than just confession. Amen. So he said, But ye were washed. We were washed at the point of confessing and believing with our heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he died in your stead. And now we get our righteousness from him. Look at verse 9. It says, it says in verse 9, that know ye not that the unrighteous shall inherit the kingdom, but the righteous shall inherit the kingdom. And guess where we get our righteousness from? Not from our good doing, not from us thinking that we're good, not from us kissing the dog and, 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 and being nice to our husband and wife, not for anything good in us, because the Bible already tells us there's nothing good in us. I don't care how nice you think you are or how articulate you think you are. You are not nice when it comes to God, but you get your righteousness through Christ Jesus. Amen. Look at what he says. So at that time of your conversion, if you have been converted, you were washed. Amen? You get what I'm saying? And then it says, another, and then it has another conjunction in verse 11, but he was sanctified. Sanctification is one of those things that happen until the time you die. You know what sanctification is? First of all, the foundation of sanctification is it means you've been set apart. So you shouldn't be acting like you used to act when you was in the world. No way, no how. You have been set apart. And then when you are set apart, what happens is the Holy Spirit that's indwelled in you begins to change you from the inside out. That's sanctification. Because you don't want to be changed from the outside in. That's what we do every day. We get around certain friends and then we act the way we think we, they want us to act. That's, that's, that's called what? That's called what I call a chameleon Christian. Amen. You just blend in with whoever you're around. You with your club friend, friends, you talk and act like your club friends. When you with your church family, you talk and act like your church family. That's a chameleon. Just blend in to where they are. Camouflage. Amen. But you want to be a caterpillar, Christian, where you change, you get in your cocoon, and you change and you transform from the inside out. That's what sanctification does. From the inside out. Amen. It's something called progressive sanctification, meaning you constantly progress. You should not be the same person that you were last year. You shouldn't be suffering with the same problems and the same hangups and the same trips that you did last year. That's what's called sanctification. He says, but ye are, again, present tense, sanctified. And then he uses the conjunction again, like he's constantly adding on something else. 
but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Justification is simply what I said earlier. Jesus Christ, when he hung, bled, and died on that rugged cross in our stead, because we didn't have nothing to pay for our own sins. We couldn't even afford it. We were spiritually bankrupt. Amen. Bankrupt, meaning I don't have enough money to cover what I need to pay. We were spiritually, word is the key word, we were spiritually bankrupt. But the deeds of Jesus Christ coming to die in our stead, being the sacrificial lamb, being the scapegoat, amen, being nailed to the cross, raised up so everybody can see, dying for our sins. He took his righteousness, watch this, and he put it on our unrighteous account. So we become righteous. It's just like somebody that's filthy rich that's coming to you and say, follow me to the bank. Follow me to your bank, not mine, but your bank. And then they, he asks, what you, what you owe? How much you got in your account? And he placed his riches in your account. That changes your status, right? If it changes your status, why don't Jesus' righteous account being placed on our unrighteous account, why is your status not changing? Why does some people still struggle and want to live like the world? Want to handle things like the world handles things? Like to think like the world thinks? You have been justified, meaning that Jesus has placed his righteous account on your account, now you're justified just as if I hadn't said it all. Jesus, uh, uh, God doesn't look at your sins, not because you didn't sin, it's because he looks at you through his son's eyes. If I had red sunglasses on right now, I would see a red tint in everything. That's how God looks at us. He doesn't hold us accountable because we're sinners. He knows that. But what his son did on the cross negates that. Now, if we were truly saved, we wouldn't be trying to run back to the world. We would not be able to stand that lifestyle at all. We would not be able to enjoy it. I tell people all the time, not because I'm happy about my past. I'm not telling people. I don't tell my people uh, of my testimony because I'm bragging about my past, but I just remember when God spoke to me sitting up in the club and I said uh, uh, then that I wasn't going to never go back, but I did go back. But I, one thing I can tell you, if I can't tell you nothing else, it never was the same. Never was the same. So we have or we are justified. Not in anything we have done, but we're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Ain't that good news? We justified because of what Jesus did on the cross, one, but we also justified by the Spirit of God, 
What does the Spirit of God have anything to do with this? He's indwelled in us at the time of our salvation. If you truly say the Spirit of God comes and lives in us. That's why the Bible says, do not, uh, do not upset the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Spirit of God. So every sin we commit now and everything we do now, we're dragging God right with us. Don't think he's not there. He's right with us if we're saved. Even if we're not saved, he can see. But if you've got the Spirit of God living in you and you committing sin, he is right there and you're doing nothing but grieving the Spirit. And then some people want to know why they don't feel close to God. Some people want to know why I don't feel God hears me and I don't hear God speaking to me or he hasn't answered my prayer. I always ask, is there any sin in your life that you have not confessed? Because that's what God's want. He don't want you to grieve his spirit. Amen? Amen. And the spirit of our God. And as I close, verse 12, important verse, and I added this. I didn't go over this before. But verse 12, the apostle Paul said, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. The Apostle Paul is simply saying, look, I may be able to do a lot of things. I have people come up and ask me, what does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? Well, there's a lot of things in the Bible that is not covered. Shacking is not covered in the Bible. A lot of things is not covered in the Bible. But Paul is saying, just because I can do this doesn't mean that is right. As a Christian, our life is not our own anymore. And we are quick to say, don't look at me. They shouldn't be looking at me anyway. They should be looking at God. Well, they ain't going to see no God with a flesh on them. They're looking at you because you are supposed to exhibit who God is. So they can't look at God. They got to have some Jesus with some skin on. So they're looking. They're looking. They're searching. And sometimes we can make people stumble. Amen? Amen? It, it, it's times that I've said things, I'm like, well, I shouldn't have said that. We can make people stumble. Because remember I told you before, people are watching you from a distance. Some people are watching you close up. That baby is watching her mama close up. People watch you. Watch Christians, period. People watch me. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of the Lord. Apostle Paul said, look, even some of the things that I do, I have been freed, I have been washed, I have been sanctified. I have been justified. I am not going to allow myself to fall back under the temptation of sin. Listen, hear me what I say. We all, everybody in this place, here and next door, is going to the day we die, we're going to sin. But the difference being, 
if we willingly practice the sin. Paul is saying right here in verse 12, I am not going to become a prisoner of sin again. Especially if God has freed me from something that I've struggled with, why will I go back and dabble with it so I can become a prisoner once again? And there's Christians like that. But God, here's the beauty of God. He knows the difference of a person that's enjoying it over a person that's in turmoil. There are some people that sin. They're not really willingfully sinning, but that's what they do. And that habit is hard to break. That bondage needs to be broken by God. Mm, mm, mm. What a message. Be not deceived. Don't fall into the deception that God accepts the lifestyle of the world. God calls us and expects us to live according to his standards, not the world's. I want to thank you for listening to the Redeemed Ministries podcast. Please send me an email with your questions, comments, or concerns to Pastor A.L. Fletcher at yahoo.com. God bless you and God keep you is my prayer.